0: morning whoo uh, how many people here have ever been in, in, in a prison before you've been arrested and been in prison no <laughs> you visit them huh you visit jails and prisons some of you may have even done it in ministry right we've got uh, i'm not going to ask who were actually inmates there but uh, up here i want to go to the next slide here maybe you've been to some of these prisons these are some of the prisons i visited i've had a opportunity to visit a lot of jails and a lot of prisons and some of them have been low security prisons those are the best um because you can you know they're just it's so much more comfortable the thing is though is if you decide you're not going to stay there and you walk off you lose your privileges and then you get thrown in a maximum maximum security prison like the prisons you see before me Um, i've touched these walls i've been in them several times Uh, This is Folsom Prison over here. Johnny Cash sang about it. Uh, Kind of a cool place, but it's not a cool place. It's very high security, very tense. Um, And those walls are super thick. You get in there. I just won't tell you, I had a relative said, I'll never be in there until the day he was in there. And he goes, I knew that then my life had to change. Well, I would have thought, well, you should have woke up earlier than that. You know, you don't have to be in prison to feel like your life should change. But uh, those walls are thick, and it's a tough, tough place. Over here at San Quentin. It doesn't look as uh, ominous, but it's where the worst of the worst, and it was where death row has been for years in California. And it's interesting when you sit next to people, and they seem like normal people, and they've either murdered a few people very, very uh, horrendously, and they're sitting next to you and just asking you about your life and what's going on. And you wonder, are they thinking about how they're going to murder me right now? And it's kind of an odd feeling to, to be in situations like that. And then there's also the big house. Go ahead, that's the old house. That's Alcatraz, the rock. That was back when the worst of the worst were placed there, out on that island. You're not getting out of there, although we think, you know, Clint Eastwood escaped Alcatraz. They're not sure if anybody ever escaped it um, and lived to tell about it, but... It's a pretty wild place. I can remember being in solitary confinement there. Um, My wife had placed me there. But, wow, was it dark and deep. You know, prisons make you feel like something. They're intended to make you feel like you're not getting out. You're not getting out of these things until you serve your sentence or the people who are the powers that be decide they're going to let you out. And they've become better and better in their security as days have gone on, especially the maximum security prisons. And you're just not getting out. There is a weak link, though, right? And we all know that that's the people that work in them. If you have any hope, I hope I don't get any secrets out here, any hope to get out of these places, you've got to create a relationship and find a link through a person. Because human beings are the only ones that can move a little bit. Because those walls are, and those jail those bars are not moving. You're not getting out. That brings us to our passage today. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 12. We're kind of going back to see if we can pick that back up again. Herod is mentioned in it. King Herod is around, but there are different King Herods. This is Herod, King Herod Agrippa, who's the grandson of Herod the Great. And Herod Agrippa here in our passage today is trying to curry favor from the Jews. Because um, he needs their alliance, and so he's trying to curry favor from them, and plus he is also a Jew himself, and was actually trying to maintain the Jewish laws. And he, and he was kind of a strict law follower. Well, trying to please them, he arrests James, one of the apostles. It was brother John, and he, he had him put to death by the sword. Wow, that's the first person who'd been put to death for their faith since Stephen. That was probably about 11 years earlier is what they say. And so here we are. And he saw that they were so pleased by it, that the fact that he arrested him and killed him that he arrested Peter, the head of the church, and he planned to put him on trial, and he planned to kill him also. Because these trials weren't like real trials. They were just formalities to please the Jews and to stamp out the church that were threatening their old faith with this new sect, and so here we are in our chapter it opens with james the apostle dead and peter in prison about to be put to death it's a rough situation so as we begin and before we get to the scripture we're going to read it little by little i just want you to think about this peter finds himself in this prison through no fault of his own do you see this He was living right, he was walking with the Lord, he was doing his best, he was preaching the word, he was honoring the Lord, and trouble came his way, because trouble will sometimes, even though you're doing all the right things. And so we need to know that the fact of the matter is, if you're going to live a godly, righteous life on this earth, even in West Wichita, you're going to face trouble sometimes. Somebody say amen to that. You're going to face trial for that faith sometimes. You might face some real problems, and people might really be against you because you're walking with Jesus. So a godly life, a good life, is no hedge against troubles. You can't expect, well, I'm just going to be on easy street now and just float on by. No, that's not the case. Sometimes the closer you get to Jesus, the more intense the battle becomes, the more intense the trials become the more intense the ostracization or the penalties you pay in the community come as you live that godly life, you sometimes suffer more for Jesus. And you know that's true because all you have to do is look through the Old and New Testament, huh? It's over and over throughout the pages. You see people like David, King David, Paul, Elijah, even the Lord Jesus himself, they all went through that. In fact, Jesus was called a man of sorrows. He had joy. He had blessing but he was called a man of sorrows and he fulfilled that calling from isaiah 53 3. so if jesus suffered for trials if he had setbacks in his life we can't expect anything different and the apostles really didn't expect anything different than that so it didn't look good for peter here he is arrested thrown in prison right on the tails of james being killed and executed it, it doesn't look good And it looks like Peter's gonna suffer the same fate. And here he is sitting in prison. But it wasn't in that prison experience that Peter experienced the power of God. He's experienced the power of God in a lot of situations, but he's gonna experience it in the prison, in the trial, in the trouble this time. And he's gonna show us in that experience of it how God manifests his power In our lives when we're in prison and because we find ourselves some of us in prison even this morning it's not a literal prison like these but it's a prison nonetheless so we need this teaching we need this encouragement we need these truths as we're shut up in the different prisons and as we're shut in the different prisons at different points of our lives we need it We need to know that God is God and he's the same God whether we're free or we're in the prisons and trials of life God is still God and he's still there so if you've got a Bible I want you to turn we're gonna read start by reading the first six verses of Acts chapter 12 and we're gonna highlight and show God's power in this prison experience so if you've got a Bible you can turn to it let's read it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, that's Peter, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod was no fool, wasn't he? He knew his prison walls were solid, his prison gates were solid, but he knew the weak link that he could see were people. So he had four squads of four soldiers guard him. They switched off every three to four hours. This kept changing things up, just in case Peter was persuasive in getting these guards on his side and getting them to let him out. Herod didn't want to see that happen. So he took great pains to make sure this person stays in prison until I put him to death. That's pretty cagey, isn't it? You wonder sometimes why things happen in the Bible. That's why this was happening. So let's go on. It says here that after arresting him, he handed him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover, but it was already decided. So Peter was kept in prison but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. They did what they could do. That night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. (laughs) That's overkill. That puts the maximum in maximum security, doesn't it? That really does. So here we are in this first experience. I want you to to notice something, and I hope you noticed it as we read it. Peter is scheduled to be tried, executed the very next morning, morning, and what is he doing? What would you be doing? Think about it. What would you be doing? How would you feel? I was actually asked to be uh, at the last meal uh, for a person, that's going to be executed on death row. And uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen now because the laws have changed. And so I've wondered throughout my life when that's going to occur, trying to prepare myself for that. But I wonder what that inmate's going to feel like. What's that person going to feel like? What is he going to be doing? And what was Peter doing? He isn't in there praying for deliverance. Oh, God, help me help me out of this situation he isn't writing his last will and testament man I'm so sorry I really blew it or I want my stuff left to this person or that person or you know on and on he's not crying he's not yelling at God God why are you doing this why are you doing this with my life I had plans I was gonna live a long time now my wife and my kids are gonna be without a father You know, there are places I wanted to travel. There are things I wanted to do. And I'm going to miss all of that. And so he's yelling. And sometimes people get upset. Maybe he's begging for mercy. God, please help me. Help me. No. The night before he was to die, Peter is sleeping like a baby between two soldiers. Do you see that? he's sleeping I'm sorry I can't hardly sleep now when everything is right let alone if I were gonna be in a situation like that it'd be real difficult he's sleeping like a baby in his prison cell Wow. he's in such a deep sleep and we haven't even looked at this yet in verse 7 he's in such a deep sleep that when the angel came in the light shone around him. That angel had to hit him, and that word hit is a, like a real good hit, to wake him up. So he's in that deep of a sleep. He's that at peace. He may be chained between two soldiers, but he's sound asleep without a care in the world. God had given Peter some peace that passes all understanding. Don't you know that? We're human beings. We know how, I don't care how you're wired, you're gonna feel stressed, you're gonna feel strained at the very best if you're in those circumstances. And here Peter is having peace, a peace that was promised to him in Philippians four, six through seven. And this wasn't the first time Peter had seen and been in jail, right? Peter had been in jail earlier in Acts chapter five, remember when he was in jail along with some of the other disciples and apostles? And the angel of the Lord delivered them then and Peter may have believed, God's going to come through again for me. God has other plans for me. Peter was the head of the church. You know, Peter had fellowship with the Lord. Peter went to the Lord about everything. He had learned his lessons, right? And so Jesus indeed was the Lord. And I'm sure that God had kind of given him an inkling that this was not going to end in death this time. He knew it would at some point, but not this time. I'm here to tell you something. You know what? If, we're, if you're saved this morning, raise your hand if you're saved. Okay, and I'm not going to look all over. If you're saved, let me tell you something. God has already delivered you from the worst prison of all. Amen? You have been delivered from the worst prison of all the lake of fire and eternal death. You have been delivered. So he's delivered you from that sin, he's delivered you from that judgment, he's delivered you from hell. That's not your destination. It was before, but it's not now. And if he can deliver a sinner from that prison, any other prison is no match. Amen? It's no match. It's amazing to see Peter here in such peace. Such peace. But sadly, too few of us don't have that kind of peace, do we? We don't come to that place in our faith. It seems like it only takes one tough break, one little trial that comes along, and we're, boom, we're thrown. We're in fear, we're in panic, and we're in worry. Why is that? I'm telling you, believer, you don't have to be there. You don't. You don't have to stay there. If, you're, if you're, That's where you are in your faith, okay, but you don't have to stay there. You can grow on, and you can move on from that. Worry is not uh, another one of the Christian virtues, okay? It's not. It weighs you down, it robs you of your potential, it robs you of God's blessing, it robs you. But that's where a lot of us are. God has a better plan. He desires to give you and me peace, he wants us to have his peace, but we have to ask for it, we have to be ready to receive it, we have to cast all of our cares on him, that means we gotta let go of that burden and that worry in prayer. We have to practice these things until they become Second nature for us. Because Jesus himself himself said, I want to give you my peace. I'm ready to give it to you. So I want to read Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It's a great verse that I had to learn early on in my walk with the Lord, and I put it to memory. Because I was a person who was pretty passionate. A person who came from a lot of stress and could easily fall back into that. And a person who would sometimes try to control my situation so they could work out the way I wanted them to. And this verse was a great verse for me early on in my walk with the Lord, but it's constantly been there for me. Do not be anxious, Paul writes, about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, that means you've got to pray in all of them, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Whether you've got, looking for keys and they're down at the bottom of a laundry basket, or somebody's got a cold in your family, and they they need to get over that cold and get to work or to school, or you have something much worse, a chronic illness, um, an illness that's leading to possible death or debilitation. If you might be moving toward financial ruin, you might have people that actually want to bully you or to make your life rough, or loss of job. Those are bigger things. You bring all those prayers and petitions before the Lord with thanksgiving. You present your request to God. Why? Because you're talking to the person with the power to lead you through it, to guide you through it, to make you victorious, whether you're to walk through that trial or he'll deliver you from that trial. Either way, you're blessed. And so you give thanks. And it says this, that if you bring these things to him, it says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, it's way beyond your circumstances won't look like you should have peace, but you'll have peace because God himself will give it to you in the midst of it. It says it'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I hope you've practically experienced that. Do you have that kind of peace? Do you have that kind of peace in your mind? Do you have that kind of peace in your heart today? Do you bring these things and let the word of God inform you about who you are? Inform you about your life? Inform you in your trials? Inform you in your prison? Ain't no prison wall thick enough to keep God's love from you. Ain't no wall. Ain't no door strong enough. Do you have that peace? God wants to give it to you. He wants you to have it. Thank him for his peace and receive it. Do it. God's power is shown in his peace. And he wants to show you peace. And it shows here, you know that Peter has the peace of God, according to Scripture. Isn't that great? And what he's done then, he can do again for you and me. So whatever you're, you're freaking out about, give it to the Lord, cast it to the Lord, and know his power because of this. His power is shown in his peace. Well, let's move on. Let's read verse 7. We're only doing one verse this time. And it says, suddenly, as he's sleeping, maybe, maybe he might even, you know, I just had the best sleep I had in years uh, just two nights ago. Uh, it, well, it didn't repeat last night, but I did, and it was wonderful. Apparently, he's having the best sleep of his life, it says in verse 7. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared right in that prison. Hmm. And a light shone in the cell. I imagine it's pretty pretty bright. He struck Peter on the side, and he woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. (laughs) I love that verse. I love it. Peter's are laying asleep. An angel Lord comes into the cell. The bars, the locks, the guards, the walls provided no barrier to the Lord. None whatsoever not one bit this angel just it just waltzes right in and there he is your prison's no big deal to me your prison will not keep me from showing myself to you and and showing you what my will is so he came right in and he did as he pleased and he came right to peter and nothing was going to stop him nothing is going to stop god's messenger from coming to you either if you stay in prayer we know that sometimes the spiritual battle can become so intense that that the there was an angel and daniel has said it took me three weeks to get to you but god answered your prayer right when you prayed it but i had to battle and so it took me three weeks to finally get here to you but here i am because he was battling spiritual forces wow i love that when we find ourselves in prisons of despair and trial we're not alone We're not alone we can't believe what our emotions want to tell us or what our minds want to tell us we are not alone our lord promised that he would ever be with us and he meant every word that he said the bible says that i will never leave you nor forsake you is what jesus said i will never leave you nor forsake you i see you i'm there with you has he ever forsaken his people has he ever do- done that? No, not throughout all of Scripture. Those who were faithful to him and following him, he never for- forsook them or for- for- forsaken them, would never do that. He never will. I want you just to think about some of the examples in the Bible. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3, when they were thrown into the furnace, what they find? The Lord was there first, already in the furnace. When Daniel went into the lion's den, what did he find? The Lord was there first, in the lion's den. I love it. When Joshua, this is one of my favorite scriptures, went out to inspect the stronghold Jericho, just after they had crossed Jordan River, right, into the promised land for the first time, he found what? He found the Lord, dressed in battle gear, sword, unsheathed. He was already there in the battlefield. And what did the angel say of the Lord? The angel of the Lord said, when Joshua said, are you for us, or are you for them? And he says, as commander of God's holy army, I am for needle neither, I am for the Lord. Amen. Amen. God's bigger. In our prisons he's bigger i hope you see that and he's there some of you might be asking well there's also peter right when he was thrown out of the ship on the stormy sea he found the lord was there with him too you know the lord was with him some of us might be asking though and i imagine you're thinking hey kelly what about what about the apostle james uh, this guy was arrested put to death by the sword." Where was the Lord to save him? God had a plan. He was right there. God knew what he was doing. God had promised us that some of us would give of our lives. He says, I I promise you these things. You're going to have great blessings, but you're going to have persecution as well because no servant is greater than their master. It's going to be the process until I redeem all things. So he was there. I want to venture to you that God was right there standing. Just like he had done for Stephen. Do you remember when Stephen was being stoned 11 years earlier in the first part of Acts? And all of a sudden Stephen said, I see the Lord standing at the right hand of the Father. You sat at the right hand of the Father. You don't stand at the right hand of the Father. You sit. Why was he standing in honor of Of Stephen, in respect, saying, "That's my boy. That's my boy. Stephen's mine. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. It's going to all be okay." And the Lord was with with James just like that. I'm certain of it. The Lord was with him because he says, "Precious in my eyes are the death of my godly ones." He was there. He was there. And James received his reward. So no matter what path or where your path of your life leads you, you're never alone. Do you realize that? Do you know that? Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let him rip you off by telling you you are alone. You're not alone. The Lord will be with you in every trial. He will be with you along every mile. He'll never leave you. He'll never let you down. He won't. But you'll have to trust him. You're, you're, the, the, the pathway may be not what you think it ought to be. It may not go where you want it to go. I'm sure that James and John, or James and Peter, they weren't like, they didn't like their parents didn't have them. They go, oh man, I'm just looking forward to the day you're martyred for Jesus at a young age and you leave your, your, your families behind. I'm just looking forward to that day. No, they never thought that was going to happen and yet the Lord gave them inklings of what their life would be like later on and so they both knew. They knew that, that what the price was going to be to see the kingdom of God move forward at this time in history. They knew, and they were prepared for it. He'll never leave you. He'll never let you down. So that is the second. God's power is seen in his presence through others. It's his presence. He's with you. And he'll show his presence through other people or other circumstances even. And sometimes he'll even show himself, which is a wonderful thing. Let's continue to read. Coming back to verse 8 again. Let's read. It says, Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea... That what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards. They came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. Hmm. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel, and he has rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen to me. He was awake now. He knew what had happened. Wow. Wow. God moved in unlimited supernatural power in this instance to deliver Peter from his prison. The chains just fell off the doors just opened by themselves they were all in submission to the god of the universe who was there peter was delivered from his bondage see god's going to use whatever means necessary to care for you and i in our prison times when we find ourselves in a prison situation we need to know that god's going to move heaven and earth if necessary in order to meet our need he's going to do it Again and again, this is seen throughout the Bible and especially in the Gospels and the book of Acts that we've been studying. What he's done throughout Scripture for those who've followed and trust him, he's going to do again to meet our need as well. That's his desire. Do you believe that today? Amen. Do you believe that promise is for you today? Yeah. He wants to do that. And he has done that. I want you to read with me Again, Matthew chapter six, verses twenty-five through thirty-four. Hear God's word here again, and we'll have it up on the screen. Matthew six twenty-five through thirty-four. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus said, "Do not worry about your life." And he meant it. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Yeah, it's about following me, and I'm Lord of all, and I'll provide. I promise. Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable (coughs) than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? We all know the answer to that, no. And things rarely happen the way we think they're gonna happen. So he says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But rather do this, seek first my kingdom, and my righteousness. And all these things that you need will be given to you as well. Keep first first things first. Your flesh won't want to do that. The world doesn't want you to do that. The devil doesn't want you to do that. But Jesus said, this is my way. Do this. So let's resist those things and let's do it. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So walk day by day and trust God day by day. And that's just what he will do for you and me. He's going to keep his promise. He's going to demonstrate his supernatural provision as we cast off worry, as we trust him, as we seek first his kingdom and power and righteousness, he's going to show it to us he's going to give us what we need but we we can't worry see worry just it cuts the legs out from underneath us it takes away that blessing and that promise i'm here to tell you i don't know how supernatural power works to take off shackles um, to keep guards asleep while you walk through with a big light going on open every door by itself i don't know exactly how god's doing it but he does it and and i have witnessed that throughout my life i hope you have too you know you feel the same way man i don't know if i can trust god in tithing shoot i can barely make ends meet but then you start what you give that 10 percent. that's where you're supposed to start you start with that and all of a sudden you say god i'm going to do this by faith and i'm going to trust you you make it work out Then you find out, oh my gosh, I still have money. How'd that work out? That doesn't work on paper. That doesn't work in my budget. How did that happen? Well, it happened, and then you do it again, and then you see it happen again. And all you can say is, it's the supernatural provision of the Lord, his blessing upon you. Amen? Amen. And people who are extravagant givers understand that. You can never outgive him. Go ahead and try. And then if you you think you can, you let me know, but I'll bet you can't and you'll see because I know some of us have tried and we can't do it. So that's just one example where that supernatural provision, uh, how it happens, it's the blessing of the Lord. It's the will of the Lord. It's because he is in control of things. Let's trust him, amen. And finally, let's pick up the last passage, piece of our passage today. In verse 12, and we're going to go through 17 only. When this had dawned on him, that, he, that the Lord had led him out and he was done, says, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl... Is that Rhonda or Rhoda? I know, I thought so, but you know... I'm not going to tell you why I had to ask, but it was a servant girl named Rhoda. She came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. I love that. You're out of your mind, they told her. When when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. So it's funny is they're praying for Peter and they're praying for his deliverance, but you know, they're showing, ah, you know, we're struggling with believing it's going to happen. We think he's probably going to die for Jesus, just like James did. And so they're having a hard time believing that he's really going to be delivered. But Peter kept knocking. <clears throat> and when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. I'm sure that's an understatement. Peter motioned with his hands for them to be quiet, and he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And then he said, Tell James and the other brothers, because there are more than one James, right? This James is a brother of Jesus. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. And he, he said, and then he left for another place. He didn't just hide out. You'd think he'd be lurking around, skulking around, hiding out. No, he's on a mission, gonna let other people know, and he's gonna be about the Lord's business, even though his life was supposed to have been ended already and they're surely going to be hunting for him. The Lord used Peter's prison to teach Peter and the members of the church to place their trust in God and to leave matters in his hands. Do you love that? Trust him and leave the matters in his hands. These believers, they could not have delivered Peter, could they? By their own power. They couldn't have stormed that prison and gotten him out. They couldn't secured his release they had no political power but they did what they could do and what did they do they prayed and god almighty worked they prayed in the name of jesus and god kept his word to them this prison experience taught them all that god is greater than our needs and he's worthy of our faith because he knows what he wants to do in and through our lives and as we pass through life, as we move through our various troubles, trials, and prisons, we're not going to understand all of them and why they happen and why we are faced them. You know you have so many trials or things that you've gone through and prisons you've been in, and you're still learning why you were in those prisons. Some of them maybe be you have learned, but verses like Romans 8, 28, everything works together for good those who love god and are called according to his purpose see those are important verses to memorize and to meditate on everything god is with me they're so vital to our faith development you know why does the lord allow things like james dying i can't answer that god has a purpose I don't know why God, well, I do know why God put me in some of my prisons, Uh, I had to learn lessons of humility. Maybe you did mostly, because that's mostly what happens. Where we realize how arrogant we are and how willful we are and how much we've tried to control God and other people. And so we get put in a prison and it shows us that. And, And a great way to get out of prison is to grow in humility. Oh my gosh then God can move, and he can move us out of prison. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He wants us to come to a place where we simply trust him for all we need and all we face. That is what the Lord desires. He may be using your prison experience as a means to glorify his name. I want to invite Brady to come forward again. And uh, where is he there? And We're going to sing a little bit. But I want you to think about your own prison experiences because I know that we have different prisons out here today. He is using your prison experience to glorify his name, but he could also be using it to draw other people to himself that you'll never know. And people that could even be beyond your life. There are people that are watching you that have to see you go through trials and go through your prisons. And it's what they need to surrender and submit to Jesus too. I don't know what God is doing. Are you willing to submit to his purpose, though, even though you don't understand it? Will you stand with others in in prayer and and seek for God's supernatural blessing and provision, even when you don't know why they're facing this prison? Will you trust him? So, if you're in some kind of prison today, uh, are you in a place where, where you need to see the Lord flex his muscles? If you'd say, man, I need him to flex his muscles today. I need him to demonstrate his power today. I want to invite you to come forward as we close the service. So I want you to all stand with me as we close. And I want to invite you to come forward. I want you to place your burden at his feet. And I want you to get the help that you need in this stage of your life and in the prison you're facing right now. Now, this altar is open for whatever you need you can bring somebody with you here you can come sit in these front chairs because i know i would have a hard time kneeling up here right now in my state of fitness (laughs) so you can come sit or you can come kneel at the front uh, steps or you can come stand you're also welcome like i said to bring somebody with you but i want to ask the prayer team if there's any of them still out here to come forward to be willing to pray with people as well you know what we could have this morning we so desire we might just be able to have a prison break where God will deliver you from that prison you're in it only takes humility and obedience it only takes resting in him and trusting him. if you've got a burden that you're carrying and you need to let it go you come forward and let it go in the name of Jesus amen let's sing together
1: the more I seek you sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heart beat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. More than I can stand, I melt in your peace. I wanna sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. This love is too deep more than I can stand I melt in your peace I want to sit at your feet Drink from the cup in your hand Lay back against you and breathe Feel your heart beat This love is so deep It's more than I can stand Melt in your peace me.
0: Yes Lord, we do thank you. We do praise you Father. We praise you that you know the prisons that we're facing this morning, God, that some are in prisons of discouragement, prisons of sin. They're in prisons of grief. They're in prisons of financial trouble. Maybe They have loved ones that are in prison and are separated from you and have no faith. The prisons go on and on, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you've given us an opportunity to see your power display. that you are with us in all of our prisons, that we find ourselves in and your desire is to deliver us one way or the other. And so God, show us that way out. Help us to put our trust and faith in you in the prisons we face and in the prisons our loved ones face that we would seek your mighty hand to come. To come and deliver them. To destroy what the evil one has meant to kill, steal, and destroy in their lives. God, wherever there's a mindset or a habit or a belief system that has you out, God, come within that and destroy it and uh, deliver those folks that are stuck in it out of those things, that they would come to the knowledge of the truth to be saved. Show them that you live, even though they don't have the ability to even know you exist right now. Even though their mindset and their philosophy, has written you off. We ask for your grace to go into that prison and set them free. We need your power. We need your grace. We need your provision. We need your help. And so we seek you, Father, this morning for it. We rebuke you, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, from all your ploys to kill, steal, and destroy and hold down believers and rip them off from their birthright. We just bind you and we lose your kingdom, Lord. We lose your truth. We pray that we would humbly trust you and that an outbreak of humility would just run throughout our lives, throughout the lives of the lost that we love, that we might come and kneel before you and then in due time you would raise us up and deliver us and free us from the bondage we've been under so God give us renewed hope this morning give us renewed faith build us up through this passage um, to believe again even though the cynicism of the world wants to stamp this out we can believe again you have a plan and your plan will be victorious not only for the church and for your people but for us individually and we want to be in the center of it so bless us Lord this morning it's in Jesus name we pray And we all said together, amen. Amen. Lord bless you.